Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. The title of my message this morning is Missionaries. Missionaries. And uh, the, 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 truth, the truth is, I sat down last night when I got home, just unwinding my brain. And um, when I turned on the, the TV, the, the, quite often Netflix or whoever will, will be um, advertising a new show. And there's a new show, a new series called Manifest. And it's like sci-fi and supernatural manifest. And I thought, ah, the world does this all the time, Lance. They steal church words. I reckon it's intentional. They steal church words, but they do a much better job with marketing. And I remember when, when Alien Resurrection came, uh, you know, way back in the 90s, they had, they had posters, you know, Resurrection. And it was, you know, alien. It was like, and it had this, you know, this, this green light coming up out of a, a black background, resurrection. And it was the, you know, the sequel to the first Aliens movie. And everyone was excited. I'm like, my God, they've done a better job saying that aliens are resurrecting than the church has done at Easter, you know, with Jesus's resurrection. And it's, it's just a sad thing to me that, that too often... Uh, the world steals our thunder and does a better job marketing it. And so thank God for people like Pastor Morgan Irvin, who the, the world doesn't have anymore. We've got Morgan Irvin and he's flipping that thing around. But I just, I just, I, I just you know, missionaries, like missionaries. Tom Cruise. Dun, 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 da, 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 dun, dun, dun. They do Mission Impossible. Every missionary literally stepped into a mission impossible. Every missionary stepped into a mission impossible. When God called us to come to San Diego, he didn't say, look, and when you get there, you're going to meet a pastor, Stacy Capaldi. She'll look after you. He didn't, there was no get. We didn't know Stacy was even going to come. In fact, she played hard to get for two years, a little cheeky rascal. Hard to get. Oh, she was. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is where I want to plant my. I mean, just no, she wasn't. But uh, there was no guarantees. S serving God, this, this. The only guarantee is that I will be with you. God said to Gideon. God said, "Go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you?" And he's like, "Hang on. How am I going to save? You, you're trying to tell me that me?" Hiding in a wine press? That I'm the guy who's going to defeat the entire Midianites who have oppressed us for the last 40 years? Are you kidding me? And God says, have I not sent you? Surely I will be with you and you'll defeat them as one man. God doesn't, God doesn't tell Gideon about circumstances, about provision, about resources. about. He just says, I'll be with you. Every missionary has stepped out into Mission Impossible, yet the world does a great job at Mission Impossible and the church does a lousy When we think missionaries, we think safari suits. We think recycling used tea bags. We think sending broken toys to the mission. Hey, if you've got, you got a broken computer or, or a bear that's missing an eye, a little you know, cuddly teddy bear with a missing eye or a doll that's lost an arm, don't throw it out. We'll package it up and we'll send it to the missionaries' kids. Let them know they're loved. Here's some broken toys. Here's some, here's some food we're going to throw out because it's past the expiration date. We thought, why throw it out? Let's poison the people on the front line with it. 
All right, I'm hitting a nerve or something. It's a little, little underwhelming in here, but... So we're in Vision Builders Month, Vision Builders Month, Vision Builders Month, Vision Builders Month. Did you know that Noah was a vision builder? God said to Noah in Genesis 8 that the, the, the death of all flesh has come before me, that they fill the earth with violence. And so therefore, I'm going to use the earth to wipe them out. He says, but you have found favor before me. Therefore, I want you to go and build me an ark and I want you to build it out of gopher wood. Little gophers, they, they, they know which kind of wood is the best wood to... Dam up, dam up water. They see a river and they go, damn it. And uh, no, they do. I mean, I mean, not cast it. They're not cast. You've never seen a gopher cast? They just dam things all the time. They just, it's what they do. Don't, why would you assume that I was saying they were cast? You guys are different this morning. Anyway, and so. <laughs> out of gopher wood. Make it out of gopher wood. Noah, Noah, small mission, he has to save the freaking planet. I mean, I don't know if you know how close to the wire we've come so many times. It was literally, he was the last family left on earth. God said the Messiah is coming through the seed of the woman and there's one family that has not been corrupted by the Nephilim, by the, by the, uh, by the heavenly assault on humanity the the angels that left heaven came into the earth went into the daughters of men to reproduce a hybrid so that they could replace transhumanism so they could replace God's imago Dei, God's the image of God in the earth. You bear the image of God so that you could be replaced so they could rule on the earth over a hybrid species where they take from God the, the DNA of humanity, but they mix it with the DNA of the angelic and they produce a race that they could lord over in the earth. And God, and the Bible says that Noah was the last literally the last batch and one of the, the, the three daughters-in-law had already uh, got the genetic mutation for the, the Nephilim, the giants. That's why the Bible says in, in uh, 6 verse 4, it says there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward. How did they come afterwards? It was the genetic, genetic mutation that, that uh, Ham's wife was carrying that gave birth, if you follow the lineage, gave birth to Nimrod. It says that Nimrod began to be a mighty one in the earth. Terrible translation. Mighty one is the word gigantis, where we get gigantic. He was the first of the giants after the flood. The pyramids weren't built after the flood. Don't listen to the, the, uh, the uh, Egyptologists. Um, the pyramids were built before the flood, the Sphinx, the top of the Sphinx has water damage like it was underwater at one stage. What's built on the back of the Sahara Desert? How's it going to be underwater? It was built before the flood. The, the pyramids were built so that the, the, the giants, the Nephilim, could, could uh, survive the flood. But the pyramids are built in a perfect, to, literally to the millimeter, depiction of the Orion Belt. The Orion Belt in Aramaic is the word Nimrod. They were prophesying before the flood that the, God's going to wipe out the giants, but one will come who will carry our DNA. His name, the, the, these are, were very, very powerful beings. I don't know why I told you any of that. But anyway, so, so Noah, Noah has, has to save humanity. He saves humanity. He was a vision. God gave him a vision and he built the vision. God gave Abraham a vision 
to get out of his father's house, out of his country, away from his family and go to a land of which I will show you because I'm going to give you this land to you and to your descendants. So, so Abram had to set out and his entire job, his entire mission was to believe God for land that was occupied by others. His job was to believe God, to believe God, to do whatever God told him to be obedient so that his seed, so that his future could inherit a promise. Abraham believed the promise. And if you read your Bible, which we always encourage, God says, I'm going to take you into this land, a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey, which I swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham's job was he was a vision builder. Noah was a vision builder. Abram was a vision builder. Then comes Moses. Moses goes up onto the mountain where he gets the Ten Commandments. And then God says to him, not only are you going to do Ten Commandments, but you're walking through a wilderness. You were slaves for 400 years. Unfortunately, the residue of slavery is still dominant in your mindsets, in your concepts, and in your paradigms. So what I'm doing, rather than take you through the, the lush area where you've got to face warfare, I've flipped a coin. I thought, no, warfare, fear, some of you will turn back. No, instead, I'm going to take you through a wilderness, a wilderness where there's no shelter, there's no shade, there's no river, there's no water, there's no resources, there's no, so that you realize, because I've got to deliver you from a, a poverty mindset, a slave mindset. I've got to deliver you from a, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight mindset so that I can show you that I don't need any help to fulfill the, the mission. I'm taking you to the promised land, but you're like, how are we going to do it? Oh, we're in a desert. Where are we going to get water? Where are we going to get food? How are we going to eat? What about our little ones? Our little ones, did you bring us out here? to die? The, the whining and the complaining was they had their eyes on the circumstances, not their eyes on God. So God says to Moses, this is what I want you to do. And I want you to build it to the exact dimensions that I give you up on the mountaintop. You're going to build a tabernacle. You're going to build a place where I will come and meet with you. And you are going to walk through a desert. You're going to go through a desert with the tabernacle, with the house of God that houses the Shekinah glory, the presence of God. And you're going to go through and every army that tries to attack you will be wiped out, will be defeated. No, no, no man, no, no nation will be able to snuff you out, but you will walk through the, the wilderness. You will go through the wilderness into the promised land because my presence will be with you. Noah was a, was a vision builder. Abram was a vision builder. Moses was a vision builder. David said, I want to build you a house. And Solomon built it. But Noah, uh, but David funded it. Solomon built it. They were vision builders. Ezra, Nehemiah, vision builders. And today the, that baton has moved on to us. In fact, Jesus gave us a great commission. He says, uh, I will build my church He's a vision builder. He's got a vision. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is when he just had, you know, 12 disciples. I will build my church. Jesus is a vision builder. So today we're missionaries. And the, the first of the three missions is the first one is commission. Commission. In Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And you know, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you even to the ends of the age. It's the, we know that is the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. There are three areas I wanted to share last night 
uh, with the, the Pathfinder's Apprentice that, that we get attacked. And the first area is in the area of our political engagement. But it's, it's actually not about our political engagement. They, they say it's about, oh, you know, awakened church. Why does Pastor Yuring, why does he have to? Doesn't he know that when he pipes off politically that we get heat? And can't he just be nice? Why can't he just play nice? Because the people that react are full of hate. They, 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 they're just full of hate. If you want to see hate, look, look to the love wins people. If you want to see intolerance, look for the, tolerant, the people with tolerance stickers on their cars. They're the most intolerant people. So they, 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 they don't hate us because we get engaged in politics. They hate us because they hate the truth and we're called to speak the truth. I'm not going to let them set the thermostat. I'm not going to, you know, get up in the morning and say, hey, hey, haters, would you tell me what's okay for me to preach? I shouldn't preach that. Okay, I'll just leave abortion alone. I shouldn't preach on the sanctity of marriage. Okay, I'll leave that alone. I shouldn't preach on tithing and prosperity. Okay, I'll leave. You, you just let me know what you want me to preach on, hating people. I could listen to the Lord or I could listen to you. So I don't really give a rat's what, what they say. Now, let me just say this. So, so the, motiva- the motivation, the motivation for political engagement is freedom. If you read your Bible and if you study human history, two great, two, two great pursuits. Read your Bible, read human history. You will fr- find that, that there is always somebody satanically possessed, in every generation, in every century that rises up, Adolf Hitler, Idi Amin, Mussolini, Joseph Stalin, in every century, Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, every generation rises up that wants to enslave humanity, that wants to, that wants to make slaves of people. Man was never created to dominate other men. When it said Nimrod was a mighty hunter in the earth, he wasn't a hunter of elephants or wild game. He was a hunter of men because he wanted to dominate men. He wanted to build an empire where he was Gilgamesh, where he was the head and he dominated men. When, when men dominate men, that means there's, there's two classes. There's the elite class and then there's the the, the subservient slave class. In, in Adolf Hitler's day, they called them Untermenschen, subhumans. They, they, were the, they, they were the class that will bring the beer and the, the washed, the, the meat to, to the Aryan race. And in every, every generation, they try to, try to do this. But, but freedom is, is unbelievably important. Freedom is unbelievably important. Um, uh, Morgan, you... you uh, t- you know the symphony that came out of Somalia? Um, exactly. Uh, what's the name of that, that comedian that came out of North Korea? Exactly. So, so in 1906, in 1906, Kitty Hawk, 1906, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, two brothers, Wilbur and Orville Wright, discover flight. They, they, they fly 114 feet through the air. Page 17 on the, the Gazette, I can't remember whether it's the Kitty Hawk Gazette or whatever it was, uh, does a feature on Orville and Wilbur Wright. They discover flight, they do this thing, but the, the journalist was a little bit skeptic, a little bit of a little cynical and said, you know, but if man was meant to fly, God would have given us wings. 
man was meant to fly, God would have given us wings. Which is very interesting because if you go back to the original Great Commission in, in Genesis 1, verse 28, God blessed man. God blessed man. And then he said to the blessed man, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, exercise dominion over the fish of the sea, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the air. Our assignment in the church is that was pre-fall. Man fell into sin. But Jesus came, when I read my Bible, Jesus came to restore us back to our original state. So you're meant to walk in blessing. You're meant to experience fruitfulness. You're meant to multiply and fill. You're meant to subdue. You've got authority to subdue. And you're meant to exercise dominion. You're meant to be the head and not the tail, above only, not beneath. But the Bible says that, 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 that man was meant to rule over the fish of the sea. Isn't it interesting that Noah builds a boat? Isn't it interesting that, that uh, in Solomon's day, they build ships that sailed to Ophir to bring back gold. And the gold of that land was the finest gold. It, it, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee in a boat. They, they, they went fishing. The resources of the seas, the resources of the oceans came to man because he figured out, he realized he was meant to have dominion. When he tried to walk out into the water, he couldn't walk on the water. Obviously, Yeshua did, Jesus did. But man realized, I've got to learn to swim because that's not my natural domain is with the fishes. You know, in Sicily, if someone asks you, hey, you want to go swimming with the fishes? It's not a good thing. You want to avoid that. That's concrete shoes. You don't want to. And, but, 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 but man figured out, even though this is not my natural domain, I can, I can, I'm, I'm, God has called me to have dominion, dominion, that, that I don't get to the waters and say, well, that's not my territory. And God says, no, no, I want you to, you're going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out. So right from, right from, Antiquity, we, we, we figured out boating. Terra firma, beasts of the field. Man conquered territories and wild beasts and conquered territories learned how to survive, learned how to hunt, learned how to build beautiful. I mean, my God, you go through Europe and Rome and you see these structures, the Colosseum they built in eight years. What Mike's trying to find the architect so that we could get Eastlake back on track and... With no, no concrete or steel. Eight years. A, a Colosseum that seats 75,000 people. With, and we don't even know the architect's name. That's, that's the, 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 the truth about it. But not one piece of con- not one concrete, not one piece of steel built this incredible structure. Just mind-blowing. Mind so man, man was able to conquer. But, but it wasn't until 1906... In 1906, we discovered flight. Now, now, you and I would be foolish to believe, oh my gosh, Orville and Wilbur Wright invented the law of lift. Thank God for their invention. The the, the law of lift was already there. Gravity keeps us down. But we found that if you move forward, air traveling over the surface area of the wing causes a, a thing called lift. That was, that was, that's been in the earth for 6,000 years. 
but it wasn't discovered by someone in Somalia. It wasn't discovered by somebody just trying to find water, trying to, to not starve to death in the Middle East or in, or in sub-Saharan Af Africa. It was discovered by a nation that had freedom. The reason the devil hates America is because she brings freedom. She brings freedom. The, 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 the globalist oligarchs want to use the World Economic Forum. They want to use, they want to, they want to subvert all of our elections so they can put people, because they have an enslavement agenda, 2030 agenda is your enslavement where you own, you know who owns nothing? Slaves own nothing. They do all the work, but they own nothing and they are sub to, so that's why we get politically engaged because we know that all the great innovations carrier invented air conditioning because of the freedom in America. Otis invented the, 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 the elevator. So today we have sky rises. We have, we have these magnificent, I mean, these buildings that reach into the sky because of, of, of the, free, the, the, the patents, the inventions, the innovations that have come out of America. In fact, America has more patents, more creations, more innovations, more inventions than the rest of the world combined. Why is that? Because of freedom. I don't know why our pastors, because we've got a great commission to go into all the world. The world, the word world is the world ethnos, ethnicities, go into every Every culture go into every subculture. We're meant to invade the surfing culture, the skating culture, the arts culture. We're meant to go into the political culture. When the politicians say, hey, hey, what are you doing here? We're here to take over. Jesus gave us a commission. We're on mission, we're on assignment. Proverbs 29 verse two says, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. When we look at the people, an overdose and the people living on the streets and the people begging, we realize that people are groaning, huh, must be the wicked in authority. So we're here to kick your sorry aspects out because we're gonna put righteous men and righteous women. Our assignment in San Diego is to overthrow the wicked and the greedy and the powers of darkness and put righteous people in authority. Why? Because when freedom comes, symphony comes, when freedom comes, creativity flows. The devil knows if he's got you as, as a slave. They didn't produce, they didn't invent anything while they were slaves. Uh, the, the mindset, the whole day, all their energy was on just surviving another day. You were meant to just survive, blessed, be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, exercise. You were created to flourish, but there's a spirit in the world that tries to get people into a survival mentality rather than a thrival mentality. And we're here to say something about it. Can I get an amen? So the first one is commission. <laughs> Dear Jesus. The second one is permission. Permission, the second area where we get attacked is, oh, that awakened church, they preach that prosperity gospel. That pastor, Pastor Jurgen, yeah, they preach, a, they preach a prosperity gospel. I had, a, I had a, a pastor like try and rebuke me saying, yeah, you, you, you guys preach a gospel of gain. You guys preach godliness for gain. And I'm like, well, doesn't the whole Bible like, if you do these things, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you'll be cursed. Therefore, I've set before you blessing and cursing. I'm just suggesting I choose blessing, choose life. Like, what, what, what part of, for man's ways, please, the Lord, he makes even his enemies. But this, this guy, 
So you'll find that when, when you take the commission seriously, the, the great commission will give you permission to prosper. It'll give you permission to prosper. If I realize that, that the great commission is for me to go into all the world and make disciples. It doesn't just say, hey, just get them saved and then sit on your fufu. It says, no, no, I say, go into all the world and convert them. Conversion therapy. The church is not allowed to convert. The church is not allowed. It's already happened in Germany. It's against the law for a pastor to pray for a homosexual. It's against the law. You can be arrested for daring to speak that a person can be set free from sexual perversion, from sexual vice. But if you look at the spirit of the age, they've yesterday or two days ago, uh, a pastor just for holding a scripture sign at a gay pride parade was arrested as he began to quote scripture. But, but they, they, the homosexual, gay, LGBTQ pride have no problem putting dresses on perverted men, confused perverted men and sending them into our schools as evangelists, as evangelists to proselytize this emerging generation. But we're not allowed to, when you recognize the commission to go into all the world and make disciples, it gives you permission to prosper. Because God said to Adam, fill the earth. And Adam's like, that's interesting because I'm in, I'm, I'm in this garden. I really don't want to leave because it's kind of nice. I got everything. But God did give me a mission. The Bible says a river flowed out of Eden. So if he's like, I got to get out of this place. And so he just follows the river. And the Bible says when, when you follow the river out, it forks four times. But the first fork is, is the Pishon. And the Bible says in the Pishon River skirts the land of Havilah where there's gold. And the gold of that land is fine gold. The gold of that land is fine gold. If you, if you work for a company and maybe you were a, a GM or a VP or something, and then you decide, hey, my time's up, or you're going to go, you have to sign a, a non-compete clause, a non-compete clause saying that, you know, you're not going to take clients or, you know, start a company now that you know all the inner machinations and workings that will compete with, that will harm the company that paid you. It's very interesting. The devil doesn't even bother with a non-compete clause. He just sold the church a lie that prosperity is for the wicked. That when God put the gold there, the gold's not for you, Adam, to fulfill God's mission in the earth. God put the gold in the very, very first bend because God gave Adam a mission and then God gave him the provision to fulfill the vision of the gold. In the, the gold, but, but the devil has been crafty. He's told you there's something wrong with you. You ought to take a vow of poverty. You, you, nowhere in the Bible do you see God commissioning his servants to take vows of poverty. And yet there's an entire uh, church mindset in Catholicism that believes that poverty and suffering is the way. None of that is in the scripture. 
It's, 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 all, it's all demonic and you were created to prosper. You, you were cre- the, the gold was in the ground for the sons of God, the daughters of God, to fund the mission of God, to fulfill the vision of God so that we can establish His. You shall remember the Lord your God for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. That he may establish His covenants in the earth. The prodigal son, the prodigal son, we have a generation of prodigals because the previous generation didn't want to preach on money because Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. He didn't say you can't serve God and the devil. You can't serve God and Baal. You can't serve God and self. He didn't say any of that. He says, you cannot serve God and mammon. So when we came here, they said, whatever you do, don't preach on mammon. Don't preach on money. If you preach on money, Californians will leave your church. If you want to gather them, just find ways to avoid it. Do one series a year. Understand probably only one third of your church will turn up for that series and then just get on with, you know, trying to do, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. And they're like, yeah, but if you touch money, you'll, you'll leave it because they're very materialistic. Well, not if they understand the Bible, not if they understand give and it'll be given, press down, shake it together, running over. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller. Not if they understand if you bring your tithe, God opens the windows of heaven, pours out such blessing. What, what are you talking about? Why would I, why would I back up from, but, but they try to tell me that if you touch money, if you hit mammon, it's God or mammon. And these people have already decided, yeah, well, you know what? Mammon is a cruel master. So I'm going to preach on prosperity. I'm going to preach on blessing. I'm going to preach on honoring God with your finances, bringing the first fruits, bringing your tithe and then bringing your offerings. And you don't give the tithe. You bring the tithe. You give offerings, but you bring the tithe. There's only two things you can do with the tithe. You can bring it or you can steal it. There's the only two options the Bible has when it comes to the tithe. And so we're going to, we're going to teach on that because the prodigal son, the prodigal son, why did he come home? A lot of people say, well, you know, he came home because, you know, he was hungry or the the world was cruel. Well, the Bible says this, when the prodigal son spent everything, he joins a citizen, the citizen of that country sends him into the the field to feed his pigs. And and as he's pouring the pig slop into the trough, he's so hungry that even the pig slop looked delectable. Even the pig slop began to look delightful. And he, he was so hungry, but nobody gave him anything. And then it says, and then he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants, how many of the servants, just servants in my father's house have bread enough and to spare? They don't have just enough for them, but they got stuff left over. In my father's house, how many servants have bread enough and, and here I am perishing with hunger. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to repent. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son, the heir of your estate. But please just make me like one of your hired servants. So I'm not continually. It was prosperous. Prosperity that brought the prodigal son home. It was the prosperity of those in the father's house. No wonder the devil rails against us. No wonder we get viciously attacked. No wonder we suffer vitriol because we dare preach. Oh, at Awakened Church, have you seen them? Have you seen the cars they drive? Have you seen the, the homes they live in? And everybody's getting homes. and Everyone's getting miracle homes. And, and everybody's good looking. Have you seen Sydney Nolan? She's just so good. And ever since, you know, and, and they just go on and on and on. And you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not a past Christian, poor, ugly, sick, and stupid. That's the old generation. We're not past Christians anymore. We're, pros- we're prosperous. We're flourished. We make no apologies for it. Come on, somebody. Because people are looking. And the last one, the last one. Dear God, I'm already out of time. Dear Jesus.
I should do the third one another time. What? But we're out of time. I'm a little bit naughty. You guys are too kind. All right. So commission, permission. The last one is submission. Submission. See, when, when, you, when, you, when you're in submission to the commission, it gives you permission to prosper. But the third area that we get attacked in is that we're a church that actually believes that we are the head, not the tail, that we are the light of the world, that we are the salt of the earth. We're not content to, to, to be the little church mouse church that just does churchy things in, shh, shh, in the quiet. Shh, you let us get on with running the city into the ground and you just clean up our mess. You try and minimize the damage for our... No, no, we actually believe that the church is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We actually believe that the church has power, the power to influence, the power to inspire. When you look at all the great works of art throughout Leonardo da Vinci, devout man, Michelangelo, devout man, that they all had a faith, had a faith in God. Johann Sebastian Bach, Beethoven, they all had a faith in God. They were inspired by God. All the great works inspired by God. They wanted to bring glory to God. The devil is, uh, the devil is terrified of a church that moves in power. What we saw in 2020 was the devil take down the, the biggest and most influential church New, uh, Australia has ever produced and the biggest, most influential church New Zealand has ever produced. It came for us but we refused to curtail. We refused to bow. We said, I ain't bowing. I ain't turning down. I ain't listening to the spirit of the world telling me, hey, we, we can have peaceful terms. We can coexist if you just submit under us. We ain't here to submit under the spirit of the world. The spirit of the world is it, God gave Adam exercise, dominion, subdue. We are here to be the head and not the tail. There are two, two levels of authority, king and priest, king and priest, which is greater. Most people who are caught up with the things of this world will say the king is greater. No, the king rules over temporal empires. The priest is about eternal things. That's why it was a priest. It was an archbishop that put the crown, the coronation on King Charles in England. Why? Because kings rule over temporary. The priest deals with the eternal. The priest deals with the heavenly. The kings deal with the earthly. The priests rule with the heavenly. The church is not meant to be submitted, but the great battle of Satan in the earth is to get the church submitted to the state, the church submitted to, to the governing authorities. We ain't submitted to the king. King, you answer to the priest. That's why when David, the king of Israel, sinned, it was a priest, it was a prophet by standing beside him who said to him, David, you are that man. You took a lamb from a man, that's all he had when you had flocks and herds. And when somebody he came wanting something to eat you slaughtered his only so that you could you are that man you are that evil man and now trouble is going to be in your house it was a priest that David didn't kill Nathaniel the prophet but Daniel uh, but David humbled himself before God and repented because of the because he understood the priestly authority rules over the kingly authority. The church is here. The church is here to, to walk in power, to walk in influence. I will not, I will not let the culture, the world, the hate, the vitriol, the opinions of men get me to compromise what God has put on the church. The church is meant to rebuke. Uh, I think it was... Um, Martin Luther King Jr. said that the, the church is the moral conscience of the, the, the politicians, of the political world. We are the moral conscience and we're the one that hold them to, us, to, to account. Now, how do you get 
power. How do you get authority? Well, we know it's submission. Submission means to come under the mission, to come under the mission. In Genesis, God put a guard, a tree in the Garden of Eden. Everyone always says, why would God put a tree that they're not allowed to eat from when you know if you say wet paint, don't touch, people got to, they just, they just can't help them. They got to know. Why would, why, the reason God did that is he said, of all the trees you can eat, except that one that's mine, don't eat from it. In other words, God is saying, hey, there's just something that I'm going to put in here for you to be able to exercise honor and exercise lordship. You can eat off all the trees, but this one belongs to me. And as long as you say, no, no, we're not going to eat from that tree because God has asked us not to, not because the tree isn't beautiful, not because the fruit isn't pleasant to the eyes and able to make one wise, not because of those things, but because God asked. While they were in submission, they had authority. I too am a man under authority. I say to this one, go and he goes and this one, come and he can. I too am a man, they were meant to stay under, that God put the tree there to set them up for power, to set them up for authority. As soon as they ate from the tree, they lost authority, they lost power, and that power and authority went to the, the serpent who deceived them. But we, we understand that that tree in the garden is like the tithe. The, the tithe is God putting something in your possession. It's in your field. It's in your garden. You're not meant to eat it. You're not meant to eat your tithe because it belongs to the Lord. You're meant to say, okay, of all, the, of all that I've earned, I can freely eat except for this. This belongs to God. And when you bring it to God, no wonder He opens the windows of heaven. You step into a realm of authority. You step into a realm of power. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Missionaries, commission, permission, submission. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Father, we just thank you for Vision Builders Month. Father, we thank you for people who, we thank you that we are missionaries. And we don't mean safari suits and broken toys. We mean missionaries as in mission impossible. Every single one of us, every single one of us engage in a mission impossible. Mission impossible. You know what's a mission impossible? My dad getting saved. But, but I, I've realized that's what God called me to. Mission impossible. My father will get saved at some point. I see it. I believe it. Mission impossible. Coronado. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. Mission impossible. 16 campus. Inevitable. Inevitable. Mission impossible. Save the world. Mission impossible. That's what God called us to. I don't want to be the generation that gets to heaven and goes, oh, don't. I didn't realize all that, all that power was available. Man, I wish I went to a Bible-believing church. I want to be a Bible-believing church so that you get to heaven doing the ridiculous. There's a very fine line between ridiculous and miraculous. It's ridiculous to get out of a boat and walk on water. Peter did it. It's a very fine line between ridiculous and miraculous. Roll away the stone. He's been dead four days. Did I not say to you, if you would believe, you would see? Lazarus, come forth. Ridiculous and miraculous. Come on, lift your hands. Father, I thank you for a ridiculous anointing. I thank you for missionaries who are, who are submitted to the Great Commission that have permission to prosper. They give themselves permission to prosper and they're in submission. They've come under the mission. They've made the mission of the kingdom their highest, highest ideal, their highest pursuit, their, their, their greatest desire. In Jesus' name, amen.